Now, I want to present to you, and the deacons are presenting to you, uh, Greg Williamson uh, to be ordained uh, this morning, to be set apart. Uh, he has been voted on by the church some time ago, uh, almost, not quite a year, but almost a year ago. Uh, and you, the question is, well, Jared, why are you doing it now? We should have done this a long time ago. Well, let me just uh, uh, give a reason why. One of the, again, qualifications is that we're blameless, uh, that we make right the wrongs. Um, we felt that at that time, uh, when it would have been normal to ordain him, that there was some work that needed to be done among some of the relationships in our church body. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we're not just doing this by word alone, but that, that this was real in our body, that this was real in our deacons. And, and so uh, there was some counsel being done, and we wanted to make sure that all the steps were made to help repair some relationships uh, that was there in our body. And this is something that we've seen Greg do in a wonderful way that he has. Uh, uh, m- most of you know Greg. I believe probably a good portion of you know Greg. Uh, that this is a man that uh, loves the Lord, uh, loves this church, and we've seen him in this time period, not just in the yoke fellow, but in this past year, serve as a deacon. We've seen him have not just the title, but have the character that goes along with it. And this is something that we just wanted to make sure was true uh, in our body. And so uh, that's uh, part of the reason why. And and I wanted to uh, just commend Greg and his wife, Rena Lee, uh, who is here today. And I've asked Greg to come and to share uh, his, his testimony. I gave him an option. Uh, he could either sing a couple moments or, uh, or to share, and he wisely chose sharing. Um, I've sung with them, so I could uh, say that. Uh, so, Greg, why don't you come and share with us how the Lord's worked in your life. Back to that unity part. If I sang this morning, we could probably get rid of a lot of people, not keep a lot of people, not unify, <laughs> and definitely not grow our body. So uh, that being said, I thought this might be the most painful way for you guys and myself this morning. Uh, and Jared brings that up because he and I have a little bit of a history there. Uh, several years ago in East Asia, uh, actually my first overseas trip, uh, we were challenged to do some singing <laughs> and those of you that know me know that's one of my weaker points. So we uh, we did it, <laughs> and it was ugly, needless to say. But we got through it, and, uh, you know, hopefully the Lord says bring a joyful noise, and I don't even know that it was a joyful noise, but we did our best. Um, like he said, a lot of you guys have been here about five years, know me and my family pretty well. Some of you may not. Uh, I was born and grew up in Seagrove, North Carolina, the metropolis, as you guys know. Population, I don't know, a couple hundred, two or three hundred, five hundred. Really small town. Um, had a great love and family in my background. A lot of them with me this morning. My mom, my father, um, wonderful grandparents, Randolph Counties. Pretty rural. It's uh, society would deem it to be old school. You know, I, there's a lot goes to be said, or a lot to be said for that. Great loving grandparents. Uh, a great loving family. Um, I attended church some growing up. You guys probably wouldn't recognize these names, but I uh, went to Riverside Baptist Church some, uh, New Center 
Christian Church, Union Grove Baptist. They're all really small churches in Seagrove, but, you know, great, wonderful, God-loving, servant-heart-type churches. So kind of in and out there, never really had a strong attendance and, and basically just going some, not very regular. Uh, I went to high school at Chatham Central. It's a small high school. You guys are probably like, I've never heard of that. It's a really small 1A school in Bear Creek, North Carolina, fighting bears, yes. About 300 kids. Most of you graduated from a school that your senior class had more in it than my entire high school. So um, after that, I, uh, I joined the National Guard, um, did all my initial training, spent some time, called to the Army. Ended up spending about two years with the Army through deployment, so on and so forth, um, being released from active duty back to guard. I spent some time with, uh, started attending Randolph Community College, spent some time um, there as a deputy sheriff for a while, long story short, working as a deputy, working as a, a tire guy, you deem me to be now. People say, what do you do? I said, well, I'm just a tire guy. So we, I work in fleet management and maintenance. Um, moving on from there, I started attending North Carolina A&T, and through work, actually, as a tire guy, <laughs> I met my lovely bride. Um, kind of interesting story. We uh, got married in about eight to nine weeks. That's debatable. She says eight. I say nine. I was thought I was going to be deployed to Iraq. I, like I said, I had been deployed earlier some with the Army and was being called back to active duty. Um, ended up spending about the last six months in Bragg. I was actually extended. They have what's called stop loss. Some of you may or may not know, but when you think you're getting out, the Army chooses when, how, and what you do and when you do it. So they kept me in a little longer. Um, this was in 2003. Um, I've told you all this to tell you that through these times, like I said, in and out of church, kind of bouncing around, um, at times being challenged by God, but most of my time being just in flight would be a, a law enforcement term or running from the Lord, the Lord's challenges, the Lord's call on my heart. The Lord's call on my life. That's uh, something that's not most comfortably talked about sometimes. But I think we're all challenged daily, weekly, monthly, annually. You know, what is God calling us? He's not just calling us to be here. He's not calling us kind of to, to ricochet or bounce around in different churches. He's not calling us to come some and not come some in our attendance. But the Lord calls us daily to be close to him. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus is we have that personal relationship with him. Like I said, that being said, time and time out, God had called or challenged me, but I constantly ran and made excuses, um, chased different things. Um, but at the same time, it's funny how God works. And his challenging me just in my personal walk, my personal life, to be accepted. We all have those challenges. You know, I mentioned some servant things, some, some things that we would call as a society to be brave. Um, but at the same time, I was a coward. You know, I was willing to give my life for this country, but I had failed to say I would give my life to the Lord. That's, that's a really deep thing for me, being moved around, being overseas, being in other countries. And I think back and reflect on that now of just how strong of a commitment that is when young men and women, they put their hand on the Bible on the Bible, and they swear they'll defend this country, this nation, of enemies foreign and abroad. But yet at the same time, we're scared for what the Lord's challenged us to do, what the Lord calls us to do. 
That being said, just the peace in my life, the purpose in my life, seeking. A lot of young men and women, I think, probably are there today. You know, we try to find happiness in worldly things. We look for pleasures in automobiles and vehicles within our marriage, within our friendships, and we have an extremely high expectation of others. Mostly we expect more out of them than we're willing to give. From my experiences, you guys may or may not have like stories or like feelings in your background. But that being said, aimlessly seeking um, seeking this, seeking that, um, the worldly things that always leave you pretty much empty, hopeless, either in debt or even if you attain them. I'll use automobiles, but a new car is great for the first couple weeks, the first couple months. But isn't it amazing how six months in the zeal is gone, the smell is gone, and you're left with what? A very expensive car. I don't know if you guys have experienced that or not, but I sure have. I'm going to take you to Luke 12, 22 through 34 for a second. The Lord laid this on my heart this week as I prepared for this morning. And Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he challenges them with a lot of like things that I just mentioned this morning. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are the birds? Much valuable you are than the birds. Excuse me. Who are you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more we clothe you, O you of, o you of little faith. And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink, Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. For nor thief comes, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Like I said, this really stuck out to me this week because it was obvious where my treasures were. My treasures weren't in a relationship with God. My treasures weren't in anything. They were in myself, you know. And I say not in anything because anything of any time frame, of anything that's pertinent, of anything that the Bible reminds us that, you know, we're from dust and we'll be dust again and that life is like a vapor. I was challenged by that. Another verse that kind of rung true with this is 2 Timothy 4.3. actually mentioned with my small group this morning. I work a lot with students, RA boys, middle school boys, and, and I love them so much. They can be challenging, but they can be so rewarding. But our lesson this morning spoke true with this. This verse wasn't part of it. But it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have an itching ears, They will accumulate for themselves teaching to suit their own passions. I'm reminded often that as we look at certain individuals, you know, maybe television, we're injected with media, we're injected with marketing, but it seems the one constant's there, ourselves, and that we don't want the teaching of the Lord 
and I'm speaking of guilt here within, I'm not just talking to you guys, but we want what's good for us. You know, we're told to follow our heart. You know, it's clear what the Bible tells us about our heart. You know, we're also told that do what feels good. We know what these things are going to lead to. But in the end, there's one true peace, one true true joy, and one that brings joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so many more things to our life. Another verse that's really held true to me and just the Lord put on my heart this week was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is true five years ago when we started attending here, and it's still true today. You know, you can be tossed about in the waves of life, or you can stand firm on the rock, and it's our choice and our decision to make. You know, God has blessed me so greatly. You know, I have a wonderful family. I have three great children. I have a loving wife. But the greatest thing in my life is Christ. You know, and through those things and through him, I understand what the meaning is for my family. I understand what the meaning is. I have great friends from work here this morning. I'm grateful to have them as colleagues, as brothers. And I'm grateful for you guys, the body of Christ. You know, five years ago, like I said, we were seeking. Randy and I were getting tossed about thrown about by the tides, moving to and fro. But through great godly men and women of this body, great, the Bible tells us clearly, to seek godly counsel. Not counsel, not opinions, not what's popular, but godly counsel. And that comes from God himself and the Bible. And God chooses to use men and women that love him, that follow him, and that are faithful to him to speak truth into our life. I'm grateful for all of you because you've all played a different role. I couldn't name one person in that journey that took me from being lost to the Lord lead me to himself. But I could name 30, 40, 50, and then I'd leave out someone. I'm grateful for Nightdale. I'm grateful for Green Pines Baptist Church. And I'm grateful for the men and women that were obedient in a God's call, like Jared was talking about, with you know that we ask of members and that we ask of deacons, but to seek others. Because if no one was seeking, where would I be today? I don't know. We could speculate. We could guesstimate. But I probably wouldn't be here. I'd probably still be sleeping right now. Or who knows what. Like I said, we all make excuses. But those godly men and women speaking the truth, the biblical truth, into my life, I'm so grateful for. And I'm so happy uh, for not only me, but my family. And then as God's called me to work with others. Um, God challenged us greatly, and he's challenged me unbelievably since. Like I said, basically five years ago in June, Renly and I started uh, coming some. It was through VBS. And you wonder, well, why? Why do they talk so much about different ministries? Why do they talk so much about different opportunities to serve? Well, Rich is right here. I see him. He sticks out. He and uh, Wang Huss were two of the first men I had spoke with because Riley was in Rich's VBS class. And I say this for one simple reason. Sometimes we don't put a lot of weight in this or that or that, oh, well, God just called us to do that, but someone else will. But there's a reason you're there. There's a reason Rich was there in June of 2007. You know, there's probably many reasons, but here's one of them standing in front of you. So I say that to, to serve the Lord with joy 
to do what he's commanded. Through those last five years, I've had the privilege to serve the Lord on four different continents, to call, to create passion, to create love, and to hopefully have a zeal for the Lord that is obvious at first glance because he is truly my first love. The Bible's clear about that. You know, he's not our second love. He's not our third love. And when we accept him into our lives, we are challenged to be a warrior. I say that because of the army, and I've, I've been in certain situations. And I, ha- I remind myself of that daily, to be a warrior for Christ, not to sit back in a corner, not to worry about what you guys think of actually even what I'm saying right now. And I hope God uses it to challenge your heart. But that's the whole reason I'm here. If not, I'd be gone. But he doesn't want us to be quiet. He doesn't want us to sit back and harbor it in. And it's not for us to judge who gets the gospel and who doesn't. Christ died for all, that's clear. We're all made in the image of the Lord. That's even clearer. And as you travel and as you see just the state of the country, the state of the world, I just find it is so challenging. And time is drawing nigh. And we need to pick up the ball. We need to be a warrior. We need to be brave. We need to be faithful. We need to be mindful. And we need to exercise our bodies and our minds in a way that would bring glory to him. You know, warriors don't train. Navy SEALs, you know, God bless them. They don't get up one morning and decide they're going to be a SEAL and go take out Osama bin Laden in a compound in Pakistan. They train for days, weeks, years. They go through three things that I've had friends to try that I've known of, and they spent time in the hospital for hypothermia. I've seen rangers give their life to hypothermia in cold water. And I'm going to challenge you guys with what I challenge myself with constantly. Am I just a Christian with a title, or am I a warrior for the Lord? Through those challenges, reminds me of Matthew 10, 28. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When I first gave my life to Christ, when I was first baptized behind me, you know, it was kind of like we hear this a lot, but maybe it was fire insurance. And I'm just speaking my heart here. I'm being open. Or as Jason would say, my longtime small group leader before I started working with the youth, he said, this is be real. And I'm just here to be real that we need these challenges. We need not to fear those who kill the body or who can kill the body. I'm challenged by Matt and Jerrica and so many others that are overseas now. You know, they don't, they're not operating in fear. They're operating in faith and courage and boldness in their witness. And they're warriors for the Lord. In closing, I'm going to leave you with Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. It was obvious that Christ loved us, us enough to give his life for us. But do we love him enough to give our life for him, if that's what the call may be? Thank you, guys. I love each and every one of you. And as Jared said, it's not been a, an easy, sweet, flower-filled road the whole time. But it's a joy serving here. And God, uh, I'll use an army term, but sometimes through the pain or sometimes through the heartaches, the griefs, the trials, the tribulation, God's just making us stronger. 
We can choose to run from each other. We can choose to ignore each other. We can choose in difficult times to walk by. Or we can do the Christ-like thing. We can love those. We can be faithful to those. And not those that are always easy or like us. That's another thing sometimes I feel that we aren't mindful of. That it's easy to love people like us. You know, Jared and I have a lot in common. He's sitting here. I'll use him for an example. We like a lot of the same things. We like to play sports. It's easy to love him. But we have to reach out to those that are different from us, that aren't like us. And we have to love everyone. So thank you guys for being there, for loving me and my family. Um, Moving a couple hours away, it's always difficult. And I don't know what I would do or how I'd make it without you guys. And especially the godly counsel you give me. And how you help me and challenge me with my relationship with the Lord. Thank you, Greg. That's my time to talk to you. We appreciate that. It was an encouraging word. Uh, how the Lord's working. take our attention to the book of Acts. If we go to Acts chapter 6, it is the beginning of what we see in the church of a role called deacon. It's not yet the office of deacon, but it gives us the circumstances as to why an office of deacon started with a few men. It had probably been somewhere around four to five years after Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and disciples. Uh, and you see the birth of a church uh, with uh, 3,000 at the beginning, and it is growing, as the Scripture says, on a daily basis. And so it is a significant number at this point. Uh, and as they are striving to teach the doctrine of Jesus, of uh, what the apostles have, uh, they're also learning to minister to one another. It is not an easy time uh, for the church or for the world at that time in, in Jerusalem. Uh, financially, it is a very difficult day. And they are also learning to minister to one another. The Bible describes that they had all things in common, that there was this uh, free, uh, free attitude with their possessions of generosity, of sharing with one another, and especially uh, widows. Jerusalem was a place where Jews that were scattered all out the Roman Empire as men got older, uh, Jewish men often would want to go back to Jerusalem to, to die in the holy city, to die uh, where the temple was at. And so consequently, it, it left a large number of widows, uh, many of them Greek-speaking, many of them also uh, Jews and speaking Aramaic. Uh, and... Here they are in Jerusalem, and they are being encountered with the gospel as the gospel is crossing language barriers, which there were quite a few languages in Jerusalem. And uh, there were a lot of needs. And with the large numbers that are coming in, it is inevitable that people get missed. The cracks develop administratively. A lot of times we idolize the, uh, our, uh, see it as an ideal situation in the early church, but uh, when we read it, we, we realize they had problems also, uh, and it's helpful to see how they addressed these problems. And so we find ourselves there in Acts chapter 6, and we will read, if you'll read with me, uh, verses 1 through 7, 
And if this being God's word, let's stand as we read this together. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist, these are the Greek-speaking people, rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You may be seated. So you see the situation of which the disciples and apostles were dealing with is is a real potentially fracturing of the unity of their church. A fracturing that came in uh, because of a complaint. Uh, One way of describing this complaint was a low murmuring that was developing in this church. The Hellenists were not just Greek-speaking, they also came from Greek cultural. And so there was cultural divides that would occur. And, and, and as these people became believers and assembled together, it was only natural for them to cluster together, uh, where folks that had things in common of Greek culture would, would be together. Not, not to mention that's the language they spoke. Uh, and so there were these clusters, or cliques, if you will, large groups that were uh, gathering together. And that wasn't necessarily a problem, but the problem became when people were assuming that these were being left behind in the ministering to the widows, where the Aramaic-speaking, the Hebrews, were getting ministered to. Because of the large growth, people were just getting left out, and there was these complaints of, is this done on purpose? Are we second-class And so that was what was rising up, and this was a problem, and they wanted to address this and say, what can we do? And people perhaps were suggesting the apostles were feeling it anyway, whether it was suggested to them or not, but it was bringing to them, we need, you guys need to help and making sure these things are ministered correctly and, and do these things. And the apostles respond by, well, if we do that, then then this is going to be left out of the praying and the reading of the Word of God, the teaching of the doctrine. And so they, they bring up the suggestion of, of these men to come and help with the administration of the church and help with the unity of the church to find practical solutions to help maintain the unity of a church. And, and I would just argue and bring to our attention that our church, though we may not have Greek-speaking and, and uh, some of the same divides, there are similar divides that can happen in any church, and I think this church is not exempt to it, uh, whether it's Hispanic speaking or other cultures, but also not just languages. I think that within a church there is even an age dynamic, uh, in America anyway, where there's 
a culture that's different. And so we could have a diversity in a church, not just of ethnic cultural groups or language, but there could be diversity of ages and age demographics and culturally that can happen. And I, I am, we are blessed. Green Pines is blessed and that we have diversity of ages in our church. And I thank God for that. I am so, uh, we are for the better of having uh, folks of many different ages all together. But there can be some challenges that come with that. Uh, and these are some of the challenges the early church is feeling of the Hellenist group with the Hebrew group. Now, you notice verse 3. Verse 3 and verse 5, I want you to take special note, and, and we'll focus on this morning, because this is the qualities of these men. The apostles say, look for these men. Later on, we'll see it develop further as a position in the church develops in 1 Timothy 3. But we have the origin of these qualifications in verse 3 and verse 5. And it it says, uh, from among you, seven men, good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Verse 5, a man speaking specifically of Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. You read verse 8. Again, the same man, full of grace and power. You have the idea of this man being full of something. Full of something good and worthwhile. Uh, this past week, I had the opportunity to sleep on an air mattress. And an uh, air mattress was quite a wonderful thing. You press a button and it inflates to a certain uh, comfort level or deflates. I thought, this is wonderful. I don't like it being too stiff. I can, you know, you can adjust it. And it's only wonderful as long as the mattress wants to stay inflated. And there is the problem. We had a mattress that did not want to stay inflated. Now you say, well, uh, a mattress cannot have a will of its own. I, yes, I know. Uh, but I was pressing the inflate button and uh, uh, we, I would wake up deflated. And, and the problem was evidently it, it was growing. The, the hole that was evidently in the air mattress was increasing. And so it got to the point where I would press the button and I could feel it. And I, and then I would inflate it again and, and, you know, it would be a few hours, but now it was like two hours and now it's going 30 minutes and waking up 30 minutes is no fun whatsoever. And it got to the point where I could actually hear it. And, and I'd put my finger on the hole. And I thought, well, if I just keep my finger on, I'll be okay, but then I can't fall asleep and it wouldn't work. And, it was just a torturous thing altogether, and we had abandoned it. Now, when it talks about being full, a person being full, I'm using the air mattress, and we're talking spatially, but when the Bible talks about it, it talks about characteristically. Uh, we're all full of something. We're all full of something. And whatever you're full of will come out in stressful moments. When you, when it's revealed, what you treasure, and that's a passage that Greg read for us of, of what we treasure will come out. And the scripture says of these men that they are filled with certain characteristics. First of all, verse three, I would say, note that they are from among you. These are people known by the group, known by a very large group, I would say, of many thousands at this time, but when we bring out deacons, they are not to be folks that just obscure, but they are plugged into the body. The people know them. Uh, we don't want to bring guys quickly in. We want the people to know who they are uh, and, and what they are filled with. 
what their characteristics. And, and then notice not just that they're known men, but there's seven men here. These are men that are working together. They're able to work together. They, they don't just put what they want out first. They put what the church needs out first. And they are able to work together. And so there's a team that is needed. A team that is required. It's not just what the pastor wants, I would mind. But it's what the church needs according to the word of God. That we work together for that end. But then he says, men of good repute. This ties in with being known, but they're known for something good. Alright? They're not notorious. Uh, these are folks who, who are trustworthy. One of the things I, I would bring to your attention today is that Greg comes not just with his family. I mean, they love him. You know? Uh, but then he brings his co-workers. Also, uh, there's quite a few I've seen from the uh, shop. A couple of guys here I've seen from the shop. These are guys that, uh, they didn't have to be here. You know? Uh, it's bad enough they're with Greg all the time. But then they come on Sunday too. What does that say? That he is a man of good repute. Not just known in the body, but known outside in the community. Known with his workplace. Uh, and this is something that you see here uh, that the apostles are bringing to their attention. But he, then he goes on talking about being full of the Spirit. And I, notice the qualities in verse 3. Full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. Verse 5, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. If you want to add Stephen in verse 8, full of grace and power. I want you to note something. All these things, being spirit-filled, wisdom-filled, being filled with faith, filled with grace and power, these are all things God wants you to be filled with. Do you know that? The only reason any of us are not filled with the Spirit, filled with faith, filled with wisdom and grace and power is because we don't want to be. God wants us to be. I wanted that mattress to be filled I was stronger than the mattress. The mattress didn't even have a will of its own. Then why wasn't it filled? Because it had a hole. And it leaked. And you understand, God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, filled with wisdom, filled with power, filled with His grace. But the problem is, we don't want it. We often just soon let that go and let's pursue our own treasures. Our own Comforts, our own lifestyle, our own power of our own means. And often we go that direction. I just wanted you to understand God wants all of us to be filled with power, with wisdom, with grace, with His Spirit. And the question really is, how much do you want it? How much do we want it? God wants our church to be that. God wants me to be that. He wants you to be that. These are men who grabbed hold of God's desires and said, I want what God wants for me in my life. And I don't covet everything, other things. I covet Christ. I covet His working in my life. So that I will pursue Christ's working in my life versus my own working. And it will fill you. It will characterize you. Will you let God do that? And so, full of the Spirit. We want men who seek the Lord. One of the reasons we do the yoke fellow is we want to make sure that there is a some disciplines of seeking the Lord. Disciplines that, that is measured in time. 
is measured in activities that you do, that people know how to read the Word of God for themselves, that they are reading the Word of God, not just so they can have a Sunday school lesson, but they're reading the Word of God so that they can be fed upon God's Word and shape their life according to what God's Word says, not just what good people say. And so that's one of the goals of our time together of reading in the Yoke Fellow is to make sure this is something happening. That we're seeking the Lord and seeking His Spirit in the Word of God. And so consequently, to be filled with wisdom. Filled with wisdom. I was talking with Alan. Y'all got to hear, hear Alan last Sunday, one of my former pastors. And he was talking about his church and the pastor that was starting there. And, and we were just talking about how one of the questions never asked in any church process is, are you wise? Is there wisdom in your life? And, and it's not something you can just answer. You can't just say, yes, I'm wise. <laughs> it, it is, wisdom is skill in living, skill in working with people, to be able to talk with people, to be able to listen to them. It is something where God says, if you ask for wisdom, He will grant it liberally, generously, according to the book of James. Part of that wisdom is to know that you don't know. To know that there is need, that there is lacking, that there is a readiness to hear from someone else. Uh, As Greg has shared, to seek counsel. To say, I I need to hear from others and and I need to listen from them and, and I need to be teachable. It's one of the characteristics of this. But then to seek the word of God. To know and ask people who examine their own life. An unexamined life is not a wise life. You could live to be 80 and 90, but if you don't examine your life, it does not mean there's wisdom to examine it. To seek those who do examine their life. This is something we've seen in Greg and what we want to see in the men that are deacons are going in this direction. These men were that way. Filled with spirit, filled with wisdom, and they're going to be tied together. When you are filled with the spirit of God, you're going to be filled with the spirit of wisdom. And then verse 5, a man full of faith. He trusted God. Hebrews 11.6 says, To please God, you must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's part of the essence of faith. Believe that he is, but not only just believe that he is, but that he will reward those if you seek him. To seek him in every area of your life is part of being faith-filled. To say, you know what, I know what the resources are, but let's consider God. Do we make room for God to work in our life? Do we make room for God to work in our church's life? That can only be done by people who trust God, who have faith. And then, again... When you're filled with faith, you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. I think, again, these are connected. To believe that God will reward those who diligently seek Him. To say this day and every day, God, if you don't work in my life, I don't have a hope of seeing fruit in my life. If you're not working my life, then 
I don't have wisdom. God, I need you. I believe that you want to fill me. I believe that you want to be a part of my life. I believe that you want to use me. These are all things of faith and and you cannot be spirit-filled unless you trust God with that. I say, God, it's worth seeking you above position, above money, above comfort, above the other things that can be solved. It's worth seeking you. And then we see Stephen. Not only is he faith-filled, wisdom-filled, spirit-filled, he has a good reputation, he's working on a team, he's known among the church, then you see what he does. Stephen knew less, or had less of the Word of God available to him than you do. You realize that? Stephen had less of the Word of God available to him than you do. He had the Old Testament, and he had what the apostles were teaching him. You've got what the apostles are teaching. You've got it written down. You can read it anytime you want. You can memorize it if you want to. Stephen had to memorize it as he heard it. But you read his sermon in Acts chapter 7 and his recounting of the whole Old Testament and how it points ultimately to Jesus Christ. Can you go to the Old Testament and talk about how it points to Jesus Christ? What I'm saying is that Stephen, because he was filled with the Spirit, Filled with wisdom, filled with faith. You can't separate it by being saying he's not also filled with God's word. He was filled with God's word. And as Greg was sharing, Stephen shared it. He shared it as he was being stoned. And the first testimony of a martyr. He's a preacher too. I kid John Snipes about it all the time. He talks about it, calls me preacher and I say, well, you're a preacher too. As believers, we are called to proclaim the word of God. So you can't just say, well, Deacon, you know, Deacon, you Deacon, you just do stuff that is background and helping us unify. But when called upon, you proclaim God's word. And you're able to proclaim God's word and you want to proclaim God's word. As Stephen did. One of the things I appreciate about Greg, Greg shared about going to other places as God's worked through this church body. But... Most of the time, he's working here. Every week, he's teaching a small group of of middle schoolers. Before that, he was working with with uh, on the greeting team. He's also serving on the finance committee, helping with that. Yes, he's going to places, but he goes here, and he serves here, and ministers here, using the gifts that God's given him. And uses them here. As Stephen did. As the first deacons did. And so I just want to call us church. To seek out men like this. But I call us to be people like this. This is what the word of God is asking us to do. I don't think he's. Paul or or Peter and John and the others are saying these are special in that way all of us are called to be filled with the spirit all of us are called to have wisdom have faith but these men did it in such a way that they stood out what direction are you going 
Like as I said before, we're looking for guys, and I believe the Lord's looking for people who are going a direction. What direction are you going? Because there's really only a couple of directions you can go in. Either you're going toward the Lord or you're going away from the Lord. And that's going to be measured by what you do. Because your heart is revealed by what you do. So just take today. What have you done today that reveals a heart that's seeking the Lord? What have you done this week that reveals a heart seeking after the Lord? But here's the good news. Consider what God has done this past week. For you to be seeking him. What has God done this past week? Well, let's just start with the word of God. Let's not just talk about the details of this past week. What does the word of God say? Jesus Christ died on the cross. Became sin for us. That you might be brought to God. That you might be right. That you might be forgiven. We've just sung beautiful songs. That talk about what Jesus Christ has done. He's provided everything you needed for godliness. He's provided the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life. At great expense. But then consider the details of this week. How has God protected you? How has He allowed your heart to keep breathing? How has He shown you some goodness and some kindness, some grace in your life? What has God done? And I just want to consider all that God has done in your life. How can we not seek Him? Please do not be as an air mattress that lets out what God's put into you and says, well, I just soon seek other things. God is seeking such who will bring glory to Him by faith, by depending on the Spirit of God, by His grace, by the wisdom of the Lord. Church, we're going to set apart Greg by prayer and his wife, Rena Lee, his family, by prayer. But as we pray for him, We need to pray for ourselves as a church body that all of us will be seeking the Lord, that we'll be filled with wisdom, be filled with faith, be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And perhaps maybe we need to pray that our heart will seek those things. Will we seek those things? I invite you, we're going to have Greg and Rena Lee, deacons, if you'll come and put out a couple chairs for Greg and Rena Lee Rena Lee to sit. We're going to ask that if you are a, uh, a deacon man, whether ordained here or another church, that, um, but if you've been ordained as a, and you're a man, if you would uh, take part in this time uh, in prayer, we're going to ask uh, that Greg and Rena Lee sit here and then if you'll come forward and to uh, pray over them, uh, pray for them, uh, recognizing God's working among them and setting them apart for this task. If you're just convicted in your heart that you realize, I'm not these things. Perhaps maybe God's exposed in your life why you're not. I invite you to come forward. We'll have room here on the sides. People will be walking forward anyway. It's not going to be, everybody's not going to be looking at you. I invite you to come forward and pray here. And say, God, I want to be that. All that you've done in my life, I want to respond to you. 
and be a man, a woman, filled with faith, filled with your spirit, filled with grace, filled with wisdom, filled with your power. Let me be that. And then we'll close our time together. Let's pray.